from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is the Friday, the 22nd of December. Boy, I hope you are ready for next week in the holidays. I I am, and I'm excited. I can't wait. I've got some good gifts I'm excited to give, and so I can't wait. We have one show after Christmas, our Dale Carnegie New Year's show, and that will drop on the 27th. Today, though, I have a fantastic show. Uh, these are two of the most amazing guests I have ever had. Ode Abush is with us. He is in charge of sustainability at IBM and is just back from the uh, Cup, I think, or COPE uh, 24 World Conference that has just happened in Dubai uh, with all of the world's leaders. John Kerry was there to represent the United States, for example. And so just an amazing opportunity for us to get insight into a huge global event like that. After that, Elon Braca, Bracha is with us. He is the number two real estate agent in the entire United States. Think about that. He is number one in Manhattan and number two in the entire United States out of some, I think there's 400,000 real estate agents and he is number two. So an amazing opportunity for us to learn from him how to sell. He is or was part of the Israeli uh, IDF, the Defense Forces, and so we will ask about that, talk about a little Israeli real estate as well. So, great show. Thanks for being with us. Happy holidays, and we will be right back. We are back and excited to be with you again. Thank you so much for being with us today. I am very excited to introduce my first guest. Boy, this is a fantastic one. Please welcome Oday Abush. He is in charge of global sustainability for IBM. He's had an amazing career, has been an entrepreneur himself, has been in several different industries. He started off working with KPMG and Accenture. And at Accenture, he worked his way up to the global head of media, global head of business consulting, an incredible run. After that, he was with a startup called Bar, and that led to his current gig at IBM just recently. Oday, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm very well, and thank you very much for the kind introduction, Jim. That's great. Thank you. It is our pleasure. All right. So artificial intelligence is changing everything. Can artificial intelligence help us with sustainability? The, the short answer is yes. And I'll just ask, Jim, that we take a step back. Artificial intelligence, and, and more specifically, gen AI, generative artificial intelligence, at the end of the day, these are technologies, they are enablers. So deployed in the right way, they have huge potential to help us address some of the large sustainability challenges. And I just always remind people, at the end of the day, it's what we as humans do with this wonderful technology that will make the difference. But yes, they have a big and important role to play in addressing some of these large climate-related issues that we are facing and grappling with today. Absolutely. Okay, but when you say sustainability you just said climate i think of sustainability as a lot more than climate you and you're right to say that jim so thank you for mentioning that sustainability is much wider than climate climate biodiversity food scarcity sustainable finance you know ethics human rights all of those come under the umbrella of sustainability and i'm glad you mentioned what you did because it is important that people see it in the broadest term possible as opposed to it being a particular niche. All too often people make the mistake of associating sustainability with the acronym of ESG, 
And uh, you see that a lot in, in enterprises where they talk about ESG and actually even ESG, which is the whole enterprise social governance aspect, is just a part of sustainability. And, and, and frankly, for pretty much all the areas that we just touched on, technology and AI and gen AI has a really important role to play. All right. And happy, well, happy, to, happy to expand as you, as you like. I definitely, I definitely, but I want to go to one place first. What if we program the AI to give us definitive answers on a sustainability issue? And O'Day, the, the machine is broken that day. The AI is broken. Watson is turned off and the answer comes back. You know what we should do? We should pump more gas and use more gas to clean the environment. And the environmentalists are going to hate okay. that answer, but that's the answer that popped out of the machine. What do we do when we disagree yeah. with what AI is saying? <laughs> I'm just wondering what you've had for breakfast here, Jim, but okay, let me, uh, <laughs> let, me let me try and answer that, okay? Because, because the reality is, it doesn't matter how good the technology is, this is something that we should be using to help us in our decision-making as human beings, okay? So I love the fact in IBM, we talk about people will use AI as opposed to AI will do the jobs of the people. So we always talk about people will leverage AI to do a better job rather than it being the other way around. On your specific point, Jim, just to be clear, we always advocate there needs to be some level of oversight, human oversight, okay? This is technology and deployed in the right way, it's a huge help. If it's not deployed in the right way, it can of course create issues along the lines of what you've just described, okay? So I don't subscribe to the definitive answer coming out of the machine. I subscribe to actually using the technology to help us make faster, better informed decisions. And we see that across so many use cases, so many aspects of both government and private enterprise. So the answer is not to pump out more oil and gas, just to be clear. Well, you know, I'm just throwing that out as a crazy example. What if the AI says, I know you are. take out the lung and the doctor says, you know, I've been operating for 46 years and the last thing I would do right now is take out this lung. My 46 years of experience says we leave the lung in and then the AI says it comes out. You know, the, I, I see that this, this is uh, the possibility of a really huge problem here. AI versus, uh, my own intuition. Uh, you know, I, I just think it's going to be a fascinating thing to see how it plays out. And, and no, I, I hear you. I hear you. And perhaps I could share with your listeners a, a little analogy, which might be perhaps Please. in the early days of, of aviation. Okay. We all trusted in the pilot exactly, judgment yes. and soul expression. And then we introduced autopilots. Okay. And we all know that most planes today take off and land without any pilot uh, involvement. And yet, and yet, with all the confidence we have in the technology, we still always have two people up front, okay? And I would say in the case that you described in the medical environment, we've seen already wonderful usage of artificial intelligence to detect issues on scans that actually trained medics are unable to. But fundamentally, the final decision on what to do should and typically rests with the medic in this case. All right, let's go back to the sustainability. How will AI make it better? What actual uses uh, do you foresee in sustainability? Okay. So in there, 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 yes, no, I hear you. There, there, there are plenty, and I'm just going to give you a couple here, okay? I guess if you step back, when we talk about sustainability, and we said earlier it's in a very, very broad sense, depending on which part of the world you're in, there's typically a bunch of regulatory frameworks and requirements that most government agencies and organizations need to adhere to. So there's a requirement to report on companies' emissions, requirement to report on water usage, on pollution, on all sorts of different metrics. Well, all of that data needs to get collated, needs to get classified, needs to get reported on. In this particular case, we see generative AI having an enormous enabler for organizations 
to accelerate the collation, classification, reporting of the information. Okay, so when we when we talk to our clients and we survey them using our Institute for Business Value, which is the IBM think tank, you know, we hear that over eighty five percent of companies have their executives are saying that their organization has got a sustainability strategy in place, but a very, very small number, like a third of them, have actually acted on it. And one of the biggest reasons for not acting in terms of hindrance is a lack of data. So we see actually Gen AI having a really important role in assisting with addressing that issue. And if I may give you one other example. Please, go. From a sustainability perspective, on a totally different end of the spectrum, but one that actually I love, which is actually we are using Gen AI to identify new molecules that can be really helpful in capturing carbon dioxide emissions and methane emissions. So this is using technology to do hard work in terms of chemistry to identify new materials, so we call it material discovery, that then gets applied in practice to actually help with capturing harmful emissions. And honestly, I would say five, maybe six, seven years ago, nobody was talking about that. If they were talking about it the last few years, we're now in a position where we can actually start to deploy that technology. And I think that's very encouraging. See, and then you're, you're making my point for me. Maybe AI will come up with so many ways to solve environmental problems that the pumping of gasoline would not be a bad thing because the problems are ameliorated and the best way to solve them is to have more energy, which means more pumping. And it may be, that's where I go. I think that AI could give us solutions yeah. that will blow us away. You know, for example, I'd well, love to have sure. AI in charge of our budget and let AI figure out where the money should be spent. That would be a fun exercise. I, I hear you jumping <laughs> to get back in. Go. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 think, I think that would be a fun exercise, but I'm not going to get drawn in, into the specifics on that one, Jim. What I would tell you is that used in the right way, it can certainly help address a bunch of different issues. Okay, I'm not going to give you know my, my, my own view on how we use the technology needs to be very clearly with the right oversight, with the right governance, with the right transparency. Because if you don't do that, then you don't build trust. And if you don't build trust, then people won't act on the power of the technology and all the insights that you can glean from it, okay? Now, going back to your earlier comment about actually, if we use this technology, it will help us extract whether it's carbon dioxide emissions or perhaps even more important in the short term, perhaps, okay, around methane, okay, Yes, we can use the technology. I don't think in the short term that's going to be sufficient in of itself to make up for the enormous amount of carbon dioxide that no, we have I, in the I atmosphere. Yeah, you know, I'm just throwing that out yeah. as an example, O'Day. I don't, I'm just throwing yeah, that no, out I as hear the, you. I the hear craziest you. example that I could think of. So, But you said something else yeah. really important, the governing, so that we can get this trust. If we can't govern cyber currencies correctly yet and i think we've gotten yeah. we, we've done we have to give ourselves an f minus right don't we as a society as a world don't we get an f minus in governing cyber uh currencies at this point uh, I'm, I'm probably i'm probably not the best person to uh, to judge on the grading score there okay but let's let, let's put it this way there's more there's more there's more that needs to be done for sure all right how can we then govern something even more complicated, even more impactful? How do we govern AI? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the one word, the one word that I would give you is collaboration. Okay. So I've just spent 10 days at COP28 in Dubai, and we had more discussions about Gen AI than uh, you could probably imagine. But the one recurring theme after you get into all the details and you understand the technology and what you can do with it and so on, the one recurring theme is all about how do we increase collaboration between public and private enterprise, okay? Because at the end of the day, it's people that make decisions and it's people that will be able to leverage this technology in responsible ways with the right ethics, with the right governance to build trust, okay? And that, that needs to come from a combination of public, private, NGOs, academia, Okay, so actually, you know, what we see happening in the U.S. and what we see happening in Europe where 
you know, policymakers are convening the right people together to make some of these tough calls, I think is really important. And it's not easy. It's not easy. Okay, but it's fundamentally important to get the right stakeholders together to agree on the framework and the guardrails, but then instill confidence and enable us all to move forward in the right way. Oday, they sent me a list of questions that I'm supposed to ask. I always get a list of questions for, for every guest. And I'm really proud that I've ignored that list for 12 years now and never asked one of those questions, <laughs> but now I have to, because the question, I just have to ask this. I'm going to read it right off the sheet. What are the three things every business leader should know about generative AI? So business question, what do us business leaders need to know? Three things. Right off the sheet of paper. I feel really stupid asking okay. it this way. I, I was going to say, so I don't know whether I should be, uh, be privileged or upset that I'm the first person you're reading off a script of paper. For, but that's <laughs> it's fine. a privilege. It's okay. an honor. Okay. It's an honor. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it that way. Thank you. Okay. So, so hard, hard to kind of summarize this into, into three things. Okay. But I guess I, I would go back to what we were saying earlier. You know, Gen AI, generative AI, hugely powerful tool, but it needs to be used strategically, okay? It's not a panacea to all ills. So, so I would say businesses need to be methodical, thoughtful in how it gets supplied, okay? And if you do that, then you can, you can unleash productivity gains, you can increase workflow automation, you can accelerate regulatory reporting and so on. So that's kind of one area, okay? The second area, and I say this to everyone, is sustainability Actually, it's not a one man or one woman um, game. This is, it's a team sport, okay? And it's really, really important that we get that message across. And by team sport, I don't even mean just within an organization, but I mean actually across the organization with the ecosystem, you know, partner ecosystem. I think actually, you know, employees need to be empowered to learn, to get upskilled on the technology. This is here to stay. This is not a fad. This is something like nothing we've seen before. And I think it's incumbent on government, frankly, and on businesses to train people and get the skill level up and the comfort level up. Okay. So that, that would kind of be my second point about it being a much broader, um, that, you know, it's, it's a team sport is probably the best way of describing it. Okay. And then the only other point I would mention is that with all the excitement around Gen AI, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that it is energy intensive. And therefore, one needs to be thoughtful about when and how you use it and how you architect the solutions to minimize your energy requirements and therefore your carbon uh, emissions and, and, and carbon footprint in general. So th those would be my three, three thoughts. Does it use as much energy as that. Bitcoin mining? I would struggle to give you a uh, clear answer on that. What I would tell you is that where you are smart with how you deploy Gen AI, and by that I'm talking about the compute needs, the network needs, and the storage needs, you can dramatically reduce data center emissions, you know, 20, 30% up. So we're talking about very, very significant savings in terms of how you deploy Gen AI capability, but you need to be very thoughtful on where the processing is done, what computer languages are used, and so on. So it's 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 just an area for people to be aware of, okay? And and it also makes you think very hard about what data models, what 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 LLMs, large language models, you use, and you don't try and reinvent the wheel every time, but you're much more careful with what 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 you fine tune and what you train to minimize the amount of uh, energy required. Right. The energy use of Bitcoin, you know, it's the, the discussion is out there, but I think that it's dramatically underplayed. I think that the energy use of Bitcoin should be one of the top one or two considerations when we figure out how to govern Bitcoin. I, I read yeah. some, you know, I live in, in Georgia which is the carpet capital of the world. Dalton, Georgia is the carpal carpet flooring capital of the world. And I've read that we use more water in Georgia making carpet than any other industry in the world. That carpet is one of the most water, uh, uh use required industries out there. And then I read somewhere that Bitcoin is twice what carpet does. And it just blows me away that okay, well, we're spending so much energy to produce something that doesn't actually exist 
that maybe shouldn't exist. Oh, it drives me crazy. Again, you're jumping to get in. Go. Yeah, no, well, uh, I was just going to say, well, I've learned something new. I had no idea about Georgia and carpet, so that, that's, that's great to know. Thank you. Okay. What I would tell you is that data centers today account for about 1% of global electricity consumption. Okay. So, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, wasn't even a landing error. So today it's 1% and it's growing with all the investments in data centers and hyperscalers and so on. Okay, never mind Bitcoin again, that's not an area of the um, expertise of mine at all. Okay, but I think it just goes back to what I said about being thoughtful with how technologies are deployed, how data centers are architected, where the workload is done, you know, working through each, every aspect of the computing, the networking, the storage, all of those have a massive impact. And they have a massive impact on energy consumption and, by the way, on water usage as well. Okay. And, you know, when we talked about sustainability earlier and we started off with climate and so on, clearly water is a massive, massive consideration as well in many, many industries. Yes. And, you know, I would love for AI to say, let's stop making carpet. You know, it's not a good flooring in the first place. There are better floorings. So I can't wait to see what happens with AI, the good and the bad. I was, I interviewed a game manufacturer who uses AI to make the games more realistic. And I played two versions, one with it out and one with it on. And it blew me away how much more fun I had on the AI version of the game. And so just yeah, I mean, the, 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 the versatility, the, the, the applicability of the technology is mind blowing. Okay. So uh, I, I have two young boys, so they'll be delighted to hear what you've just shared. Okay. But I think, you know, the, the, there's hardly an industry that you could name that we couldn't very quickly identify a use case for gen AI. And I think that's the exciting part. So now we need to just make sure we deploy it carefully in the right way to actually help us tackle some of these larger issues when we talk about sustainability do we regulate i'm, I'm very the, excited about the next years ahead do we regulate the bad parts away do we make all of the porn and the nude uses uh gender, there's a site that takes clothes off of girls and shows you what they look like with no clothes on i think it was the number one i read an article in new york times that it was the number one ai use so far uh we shouldn't be doing yeah, well, that. Well, well that's, that's horrendous. Yeah, well, that's horrendous. That's clearly, I mean, you don't need me to tell you. That's like, that's just like beyond horrendous. Should we make it illegal? Should we make parts of AI illegal? So, so Jim, there are way better, smarter people than me to sort of comment on policy type stuff. Okay. All I would say is that with any super powerful technology like this, having some framework some sensible guardrails is clearly a smart thing to do, okay? Now, you can't control everything, nor should you perhaps want to control and regulate everything. We need to get the right balance between over-regulating and stifling innovation. But clearly, the example you gave is just beyond, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a parent, I don't like hearing stuff like that any more than your listeners do. So right. there will be cases where I'm sure some people have a very, very strong view on what should and shouldn't be allowed, but I'll leave that to smarter policymakers than myself. Here we are at the end of the year. We're about to go into 24. Are you the type of person that writes down goals for yourself? Uh, how do you deal with the new year in terms of making yourself a better person? So, so, that's, uh, you're definitely not reading off a script. I can uh, take that as a given, I'm sure. Okay? But, uh, um, yeah. So, so I, I, gave up, I gave up having uh, objectives for the new year many, many years ago. Okay? You know, that said, I, I, like most people, you always have time to shut down a little bit and think about what you want to do and so on. Okay? I mean, that's like, we probably don't have enough time for me to share that with you. But as I said, I've got young kids, okay? so I'm very much focused on those those fellows more than anything else, okay? Um, so I, I don't know about making myself a better person. You know, if I can carry on having fun and helping clients and helping our teams and all that kind of stuff, I'm good. You know, uh, I'm not, I don't think I've got any more to, to share on that front. That's good enough. How do we find out more about you and follow online? What else do you want us to know about IBM? Where do we go? 
Okay, well that's fair. So why don't why don't you encourage your listeners to go to uh, the I, I, IBM uh, website? So literally www.ibm/ibv. That's our Institute for Business Value. You will see a whole bunch of very interesting information on sustainability as well as other topics. Okay, and then you'll have contact information there as well. So we'd we'd love to follow up with you or any of your listeners as and when. Thank you so much for playing along with me and putting up with my craziness. It's been a Thank you so much. Great stuff what IBM is doing. We hope you come back. Thank you very much. Cheers for now. Bye-bye. And we will be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back. And again, thank you so much for being with us. Continuing our conversation, we're going to have a little bit more on AI, but I'm very excited to introduce a special guest. Wow, what an amazing show we've put together for you. Elon Bracha is with us. He is the founder of IB Global and the Bracha team. And listen to this, $10 billion in real estate sales and the Wall Street Journal has him as the number one broker in New York and number two in the whole country. Bam. You don't need to say anything after that. He also, though, he also served in the Israeli Defense Forces, the IDF, and he's going to give us some insights on what's going on in Israel and Israeli real estate. It is crazy. It is time to discuss that. There's actually interesting things. Let's start off with Israel. It's uh, absolutely horrific, the things going on there. And thank you for your service in the IDF. Uh, What are your thoughts on the situation? How does this play out? Are you supporting the policy? Just what are your thoughts in general about what's going on in Israel and how they're responding? Okay, so first, thank you for the opportunity. And yes, I... um I'm Israeli born. I'm supportive of Israel, and obviously, something what's happening uh, right now it's a, it's a very have a very huge impact on me and the family in general. Uh, you know, we I served in the in Dallas for three years in the combat unit in the north of Israel, and some of my friends uh, are in the reserve right now. Uh, my brother is in the reserve. Uh, right now and it's it's very it's very heavy as a, for, for the country in general and because what's happening right now it's a war that's we never experienced something like that um and we're fighting to bring the hostage on that's our kids and the women and you know exactly what's happening on the is, uh, october 7 which is actually change everything that's you know uh, we were thinking um, in general. It's just like it's something that's never happened before to us. Or in, I think global, it's uh, we saw uh, a level of uh, of hatred that's uh, never been done, and it's escalating right now on different levels because it's open uh, uh, some opinions for people that was keeping it for themselves for a while, uh, and you see it globally uh, all over the world. And I think this is a, this is a, the opportunity today, and the reason I'm here is just to have a voice and say exactly what you think. And uh, people that uh, don't understand uh, what's happening in the Middle East needs to educate themselves and understand that uh, Israel uh, uh, actually fighting a war for for the world, not just for themselves, fighting actually for America. And the world itself against uh, terror organization, against evil, against thing, you know something that could be in your uh, doors tomorrow. And that's that's the, my opinion is uh, very clear. You know we need to destroy Hamas. We need to bring uh, peace to to Israel and to the Middle East in general. And by 
eliminating them. And that's that's my uh, voice on it. And do you agree with and the current strategy? Uh, you know, I I kind of feel like the only like way the to only way. to continue is to sort of just assume that the hostages are not going to end up well and maybe even be more aggressive. I think I would have flooded the tunnels already is my is my first thought. What are what are your thoughts on on that? Right. So the first thing that we need to understand is that there is hostage there and the number one mission is to bring them all. The number one mission is to bring them all. The number one mission is to eliminate Hamas. It's 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 uh, going uh, uh, and you cannot say what it's first and what it. That's the mission, and you need to do everything you can to to uh, to do it. Now the shame is that we need to actually uh, create uh, some kind of support from the world. You know, we need to uh, have the support to to fight against this kind of an evil to bring them on. What? It's something that's it's unheard of, right? You have hostage over there. You're going and putting as much force as you can to bring them on, and you're getting uh, and you don't get the full support from the world of doing it. That's that's something that's you know very very tough for me to understand. But you know we have we have to have uh, this kind of uh, uh, we have to have a voice, a strong voice against it, and saying wait. This is not the right uh, things to do. Uh, stop it, and and we're gonna keep doing it as, um, until we bring them home, until we eliminate Hamas. We have to bring. Uh, we have to do it now. There is many many ways to do it. You can say this is a soft way. Some people will say this is a too hard way. There is no. We are not here to give uh, them grades. You know, we are not giving them uh, points. It's very complicated. We're losing kids, you know, so I'm calling them kids as soldiers in 18, 20, uh, 25. Kids every day. Every day. You, you check the news, three soldiers, five soldiers, and those are people fighting, you know, to, to, to support the family. Fighting for the peace of their family. Don't understand that they're actually fighting for the world. They're fighting for... The world to have a peace against, you know, the, one of the strongest terror organizations. That's what uh, uh, they need to, if they understand what kind of they carry, they carry this kind of a weight. And, and I think uh, we, we des they deserve the support. A bigger support than what we're getting, which I, I, I'm not saying America supporting in many, many ways, you know, bringing the two ships, you know, that's coming up with the, uh, 27 other ships together to the Middle East, showing that definitely show the support. They did it very quick. Uh, it was a strong move, uh, but we have to keep doing it. We have to keep supporting um, with no no question. That's Ivan. Let's change tactics or topics just a little bit. Sure. Your information that I received about you also mentioned that. This has had a huge impact on Israeli real estate. And I would assume that that meant that there was a collapse, that the market would go to zero. That's not what I has happened, apparently. Talk to us about Israeli real estate market now. Okay, very good. Thank you. I was, I'm very passionate about what's happening right now. So I, I, But if we're going into you know uh, business uh, side of it, Israel always have a, a, a challenge with the supply and demand. So there is a huge demand. The, the real estate going up for the last uh, two decades very strongly. Um, and now, obviously, it stopped. And it stopped for a while for tourism. Obviously, it stops here for the same reason of the uh, rates. Um, it's, I would say stop. I said maybe even slow down, heavily slow down. And now with the war, it's actually stopped. But then something happened and people saying, wait a second. <laughs> they feel like, you know, there would be more because of anti-Semitism that's growing in, in, all over the world. People saying, well, maybe I should have a piece in Israel. Maybe I should have a, a condo in Israel uh, just in case. 
So you're starting to see again people uh, um, calling and figure out what's the options for them to uh, to buy uh, you know, and support Israel in a way also support the economy, support the business. So here you see a shift a little bit right now. It's, it's not a trend that I can tell you right now. It's uh, changing the market and, and the price range and pricing, but it's definitely uh, creating uh, some kind of uh, starting of a wave that's if, uh, not if when Israel will finish the, the war, you will see a lot of people say, okay, you know what? If they handle this kind of a situation, I should have a Maybe this is the best place for it to be. And if everybody will think like that, you will see a, a bigger, a, a giant wave. But it's definitely a trend that's starting. Uh, and uh, it's too early to, to see it. You actually give enough data. Right. It's interesting, though. And a lot of this investment, is it from outside of Israel? Yes. What does that yes. indicate to you? It's, there, is, uh, there is always a fear. Being a Jewish, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm here in America for the last, you know, 27 years right now. Um, and, you know, it's like... Uh, you never ever, you know, I'm living in Manhattan, there is no, it's like mini Tel Aviv in a way. It's like uh, always you have people from all over the world. You feel very comfortable. You're talking Hebrew on the street, but something happened here recently that doesn't let you feel comfortable anymore. And this is New York City. So think about different pockets of the world. What's our people feeling? They think about campuses, you know, that you have a daughter in college. It just, it's not, it's, it's not like it's before, and we need to understand that it's maybe could easy escalate to a level that uh, you need to do something about it or have an option, option B. It's scary to say it, but we need to look at all the options right now. And people think like that, so think about what's going to happen if, uh, if it's going to keep. Uh, keep growing uh, not going to stop now. And I think it's very important to, to stop it now and be an awareness that it shouldn't be like that. It's a very dangerous situation to be because when you get there, it means it's not just us tomorrow. It's another group and then another group. And then it's a uh, never end. It's just, you lost control. It's actually losing control. Elon, why are you so great at selling real estate? Why are you the number one? What makes you different, better, special? Are you smarter, better looking? I, I see your picture. You look like you're a very good looking guy with great hair. Is it the hair? What? What is it? Thank you. Thank you. No, no. I think it's more about you know. Uh, I would say it's uh, data, lots of data, uh, reading a lot, figure it out. You know, take all the information, bring it back to our clients. So we bring in value by analyze all the data that's keeping coming and bring it back to them. By then, I think we, we, we're doing better than, uh, than the rest. We're working hard. So, you know, our, our work always be talent. So I don't know about uh, uh, how we're doing it. Besides, you know, I believe in hard working and, and we study daily the market, uh, where it stands, where it's going. And by by doing it, we, we take advantage for our clients, uh, um, and and that's the biggest value. And that's the best. That's okay, the best but thing how does the data? You know, I did read that in your bio, maybe even on your LinkedIn page, that it talks about how you love data. But I don't understand. So knowing that the market, well, you know, was down. One percent in 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 one particular part, you know, the Upper East Side. Say it was down five percent last last month. How does that help you sell my condo next month? Okay, so so buyers, it's you know, it's basically actually based on motivation, right? Either you have life change events, either you buy a or uh, you move in, job uh, transfer, um, more kids uh, got married, or or maybe you want to downsize. 
you 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 want to move to a different neighborhood or a different uh, state. So that's that's what buyers actually for. Maybe just investment. You just want to put your money to work. So those are the buyers. When you have then for those reasons, there is different buyers uh, uh, generation. You have uh, the baby boomer that's acting in one way. You have the generation X, the Y. Each one of them behave differently in different uh, situations of those life change events. So when you start to study it, how they behaving, and you study what's going to be, what's happening um, in the same local market that you uh, you working, that's good. Some you know you you just you you just understand it, and you bring you know you you act you act in a way that's bring you more advantage on the competition. That's really what it's, uh, and people don't spend the time to, to get it and then really to understand it. And then it's just, you know, it's, uh, you're not selling the home and by getting lucky. You can, but it's not the way to do it. You're not buying investment property by just, you know, um, maybe I should do it. And then you're not doing it. You have to spend, you know, uh, uh, time and then uh, and you need to have advisors with you the right advisors. I'm not saying I'm the best one, I'm just saying I'm one of. And but you need to find someone who can actually do the work for you and hold your hand and make sure that you know when the market is good, you're gonna get there. When the market is bad you have someone next to you. And that's what uh, that's what we do. And obviously do it very well. What's the market like in the city right now in Manhattan? up down is it still you know, the rest of the united states seems like there's a shortage of inventory what about in new york city so um in the in the, in the city from 2018 it started to drop right we have a huge drop on the retail the retail market really went down and, and by like 50 70 percent now we have in the office buildings you know because of you know after pandemic uh, so all the B class, C class of office building are really bad, and, and, and I, I don't know uh, how they're going to get out of it. Uh, maybe by uh, converting to residential, or if you if you're in a good location, maybe you can survive the this, the the market today, the wave. Um, but if you have a class A building, you're very good. So class A building still doing wonderful in the city. All those prime location, nice building, brand new. They are eighty, ninety, hundred percent. Some of them uh, full. Um, and then you have the residential, and it's split between the luxury, luxury. When you have the ten, twenty million dollars and up, and those buyers are actually buying in New York City today because they feel like uh, you know when everything's happening in the world, maybe that's the safest place for me to put the money. So they, they're actually taking a bet on it. And they'll constantly do that three times. Every cycle, we saw that the, the, the ultra-luxury always bet on New York City when, when the market shifts. When it shifts down, when it shifts up, they, always, they enjoy the way, you know, they're coming in and uh, to the party. But when it's down, you see the biggest tickets coming in, 50 million, 30 million, 70 million, actually uh, 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 all cash. So that's the ultra-luxury. And then you have the 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 two million, the five million, the seven million. That's you know people that are uh, right now. Um, you see volume went down by thirty percent. I would say thirty some some areas about forty percent down in volume. And uh, prices you don't see them as much down because we already came from a slower market. Twenty twenty one was excellent. But it wasn't enough to um, to um, to get rid of all the supply. Where the much supply, you know, like a lot of supplies came in from back in 2018 when it started to slow down. So I believe in the next year. That's my 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 bet. Next year, end of the year, 2025. I think it's going to be a very healthy market because we just you know supply and demand game. 
And I think the confidence will come back. Hopefully, the rates just stabilize. I don't know even if it needs to go down as much. Uh, but just giving some stability, I think we will see a great, uh, a great change here in New York City. Yeah. So I, I really believe in it, yeah. Elon, what about the super, super tall pencil buildings? The ones, uh, I, I don't, I don't remember what street they're on, right? You know, just, is it, yeah, right to the south of the park. You know, the buildings I'm talking about, the incredibly thin, um, uh, 111, West 57. Yes, yes, those sort of the, those buildings. The Steinway, the Steinway building, or there is the Steinway building. There is Center Park Tower. There is 220 Center Park South. All of them are facing the park. All of them are great building, luxury buildings. They're not luxury. They're super luxury, right? Yeah, yeah, those are super luxury. Yes, the view is amazing. High ceiling. Great layouts, yes. And so they 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 selling, yeah. They're selling. Or is anyone actually living there? Or are they empty? Bought, <laughs> but empty. <laughs> okay, so you have. A, I I can tell you, yes, there is people living there, but there is a, a huge um, part of it are pieta there. So you will see them coming in the summer or coming in the holidays and. Uh, meaning this is not their first home. This is maybe the third or fourth home. That's not even the second home. So yes, and and it's uh, and it's like I said, it's also an investment because it's a very it's it's located in a prime location with a great view. It's a good product. It's like a piece of art in a way, and people look at it in, uh, as a collectors. You know, let me have it and. You know, it's uh, people doing it for a long time in New York City. It's not the first uh, uh, buildings or the first uh, uh, area that's uh, growing. People doing it for many, many years, and it works. It's actually the data showing that historically, you're buying a product in the city when you need to be liquidated, it, you can. Which will say it's not a liquid asset in, a, in by definition. It's not like, but you can liquid it um, fairly fast. And when the market is booming, you're enjoying a crazy return. It's a uh, New York City. It's a rental uh, city, seventy percent rent. So you're talking about like I want to rent it. I can rent it. So if I need, it's even your fallback is not as bad because people will rent it in any sizes. Doesn't matter. There is rental for every uh, apartment. There's no like, oh, this is too expensive. You're going to have someone, a CEO of a big company that's coming for two years, prefer to rent and sell, boom. So there is a demand for each one of the the class, the classes. And do you think we're going to build more of these super, super tall buildings or the, you know, I think there's what, six or seven of them now? Is is that model going to continue, or do you think that that played out? It's there is no one, you know, in the city. The, every time you build something, you take something down. So you need to assemble some this kind of a building that's going all the way to hundred floors high. You need to assemble many many lots together, and it's not as easy as it sounds. Um, and I don't see something coming in very soon. I can I know few lots that exist, but it takes a lot of finance. And right now the banks doesn't work with developers for the reason that they need to show uh, liquidity in their banks. So if they giving a finance for a developer, for an example, they need to show 150% whatever they gave a loan as a liquidity in the bank. Why are they going to do it? When they can give... Uh, a, a multifamily investment for for investment, it's one on one, so eighty cents. So I think bank doesn't give loans today for developers to do it, so they can't play in this uh, field. And I think it will take a while until it's going to happen. So I don't see anything happening very anytime soon, you know. So and we have enough supplies to 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 work it out for the time being. 
Should so, the United States have a service requirement similar to Israel, not necessarily the armed forces, but should American citizens at the age of 18, 21 have to do two years of something for our country? Does the model work? We are a very, very small country, and there is no option for us. America doesn't need to be in this level. There is enough patriotic people that, you know, that will uh, come and uh, you don't need, I don't think there is a need for doing anything, that we have to do it. There is no options. We gave, you know, every, everyone, it's like a three years. Um, uh, for women, it's two. Uh, but yeah, in Israel, it's a must. We can't, uh, we can't do it. There is no options. <laughs> But you don't what you don't like that for America, you know, maybe everyone doesn't do the armed forces, maybe half the population chooses to do a community service and help at food banks or teaching or something. You don't think Americans should do it? I I think we have my feeling, at least what I see from, you know, going for kids in in, in America, I I see the education that we get in here. It's so strong and, 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 and it's around, you know, giving back. Um, being an American, it's meaning giving back and, and pay it forward. And I think a lot of uh, kids growing on community service that's supported by the education. And by doing it, they're like creating this um, uh, personality. So I don't think it needs to be forced. Like it's it's in Israel, and I'm not saying that in Israel it could work. Also, it's just like there is no option. I need you there. It's not like if I give you an option, I'm just taking too much risk. So that's why. But I think here we already have to build it in a very nice way. With people coming in um, from, uh, you don't need to force me to do it. I will do it. I will come in. I will serve. I will sign up. I will. So I think it's uh, they did it wonderful. I don't think there is a change needed, at least from my point of view, uh, so far. Excellent. Elon, great insights. Thank you so much for sharing. How do you want us to find out more about you, follow you online? Uh, you can uh, find me on Instagram. Uh, you can find me on uh, uh, com. Uh, you can, uh, we're doing right now, we're building a beautiful, uh, uh, trading platform. It's, I encourage people to check, uh, it's a trading, uh, homes, you know, uh, it's a, it's a tech platform. It's called homage.ai. And I think this is something that people will find it, uh, very interesting. Uh, we're building the, the way that people will, uh, Buy and sell in the future, meaning uh, Generation Z and Alpha, how they will uh, go in and uh, uh, move homes uh, by actually trading like a car, like a car industry. So we do it in a, in a very techy, uh, digital way. And we're proud of it. And I think it's something that also people will, uh, yeah, but, uh, this is uh, another one that's. Uh, I think you're coming back in three months to talk about that, Elon. We'd love to. We'd love to share more about it. Yeah, we're building it. It's still, we didn't uh, launch it yet, but it's a definitely we're in a soft launch. We're definitely going to come back. I appreciate it. Elon, thank you so very much. Thank you. Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. And let's all pray for peace in the world uh, through strength. Take care. Bye now.